0: I'm Paul Sutton and this is Digital Download, the show where I talk to topic experts on digital marketing, social media and public relations about the things that matter in today's communications industry. Last month, fast fashion giant Boohoo came under fire for selling identical clothing at different prices across various brands in its retail portfolio. The same coat, for example, was sold for £55 by Dorothy Perkins and £89 by Coast. One customer posted on social media about a skirt she'd ordered from Caramillum, only to find that it had an Oasis label inside with the branding scrubbed out. Boohoo said all cases were a genuine mistake, not business practice, and stemmed from retailers who were forced to close cancelling orders and suppliers then offering items to other retailers in the same group. Customers didn't buy it, however. When I asked about it on Twitter, one person said to me that they were extremely sceptical it was a genuine mistake, and another said it confirmed her belief that most fast fashion retail brands are dodgy. Someone else said, quite simply, they're lying. We know they're lying. We know that they know they're lying. And everything goes on as before. Genuine mistake or not, people simply do not trust Boohoo. And this stems from years of alleged poor business practice. In July last year, the group faced a modern slavery investigation after a Sunday Times investigation found workers in a Leicester garment factory that supplied Boohoo were being paid as little as £3.50 an hour, less than half the minimum wage and also operating during the city's coronavirus lockdown with no social distancing measures. In March this year, the company announced that it had cut ties with up to 60 suppliers who were unable to demonstrate the transparency required. But while on the surface this may look like a positive step, it was entirely reactive and based on the demands from the Environmental Audit Committee. Alison Levitt QC, who led the independent inquiry last year, identified a historic failure by Boohoo to act quickly enough to tackle the issue. Ethically, it would seem, Boohoo is among the worst organisations out there. We don't trust it, and its reputation is absolutely terrible. And yet...
1: The biggest worry for me is, I was looking this up, and the sales have gone up 40% through COVID. So, that sort of says that it's not making any difference, which is really sad because it ought to make a difference.
0: That's Kate Hartley, co-founder of crisis simulation company Polpeo.
1: They have form here. So I think it was in 2016 they were doing a campaign with PETA because they're very kind of big on animal rights and, and to be endorsed by PETA is a big deal, isn't it, for, for a fashion brand. Then it came out that one of the fake fur collars they were selling as fake fur was actually rabbit fur. And that led to an almighty backlash from a reputation point of view. But I don't think it made any difference to sales. Their sales keep going up, and that's the thing I think is really sad.
0: When the modern slavery allegations occurred last year, £1 billion was wiped off the share price. However, within just two months, the share price had recovered almost to its previous level. It's something that John Brown, founder of brand activism agency Don't Cry Wolf, takes issue with.
2: It is literally a crystal clear case study as to why there is a fundamental flaw in the way the economy is structured and in the way organizations can be set up and run purely for the benefit of shareholders. To be honest, you can crack on without any real sort of moral or ethical foundation. And so long as you can flog a five quid dress online, you're golden. And I think we should be quite worried about that. (laughs) Like I think as a society, We should be fairly unnerved at a year in which we were all kind of harping on and bang on on our social media profiles about ethics and the spirit of community and coming together and everyone was poncing around outside clapping for the NHS. Fantastic. Great. But then you take a look at where consumer spending had gone and it gone into fast fashion. You know, it gone into organisations like Boohoo, who just absolutely lapped up our consumer spending and our consumer pounds and pence. And where, where, you know, where was our sudden sort of moral backbone that we apparently discovered in 2020? Well, it disappeared because, you know, it's all well and good having a moral backbone, but it's better to have a five quid dress.
0: A couple of weeks ago, Boohoo announced a massive 41% jump in revenue to £1.7 billion in the last 12 months. And although the share price is down 8.5% on the year, it's increased by over 30% in the last two. And that has led to some investors touting Boohoo as a great investment opportunity. A financial investment driven by roaring sales among younger consumers, despite seemingly no moral compass.
1: There's part of me saying that this next, this younger generation are so passionate about the ethics and you know issues like sustainability climate change all those things and yet on the other hand a brand like Boohoo which is selling into 16 to 24 year olds is still managing to increase its revenue by 40 percent through all these scandals and those two I don't know what the I don't know why that's happening and I, I find it quite depressing actually that we don't care enough or perhaps we don't expect any more of our fashion brands Maybe we just have such low expectations that we just assume that everyone is going to be up to bad stuff. Or perhaps we will always buy with our pocket over our ethics. And I find that slightly depressing, to be honest.
0: Most organisations would struggle given the barrage of potentially damaging allegations and events that are thrown at Boohoo. And yet, even though the company's reputation is poor, it continues to thrive. It seems to brush off bad news without much of a thought. And whereas losing a billion pounds off the share price would throw most organisations into crisis, it barely leaves a scratch on Boohoo.
1: If a company is really in serious crisis, the crisis means it's going to affect its ability to operate. And this has not affected its ability to operate, it would seem. But there were dips in share price, I think, when these things happen. But overall, you've got to look at the long term impact, haven't you? And short term share price obviously has an impact. But But if their long-term share price is continuing to go up and their revenue is continuing to go up, you could argue that they're not in crisis and that this wasn't a crisis. I think you've got to look at the long-term thing. I think this is a bit like Nestle, which has always got boycotts against it for the baby milk issues, but it's never impacted how many Kit Kats they sell. And you could argue that you're only really in crisis when you can't operate with the people who you rely on to buy from you. And if those people don't care, it doesn't really matter what everyone else thinks.
0: If Boohoo's customers don't care that it pays people £3.50 an hour or sells the same clothing at different prices in different stores, why should Boohoo? As long as it says the right things, does it really need to actually do them?
2: Here's where I start to lose faith in their actual desire to be a good organisation. Right In 2018, Boohoo joined Hope for Justice or the Slave Free Alliance. So you've got two years... (laughs) Where they've been sort of, they've been banging on about how they're in support of this this NGO and trying to eradicate the world of slavery, and then two years later they've been found to not even have a look under their own hood under their own supply chain so to me, what that says is the intent is signaled for the benefit of you know increasing those pounds and pence, but they're not going to put any action behind it it's this continuous sort of sense of how i tell you how we will combat the bad stuff is that we'll just signal intent so yes they're now transparently reporting a list of suppliers but only because they're being told to and so where 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 was it in their that their in their psyche where they thought do you know what we've joined the hope for justice and slave free alliance maybe just maybe Before we release the press release and we splash it across our website and we make sure all all of our customers know that that, that we've joined these organisations, maybe we should just have a quick look in Leicester to work out whether the conditions that we're apparently supporting through these organisations are being reflected in our supply chain.
1: The ethical issue is is appalling, isn't it? And can we allow organisations to get away with this? We absolutely shouldn't. But I don't know what you do if 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 you if people keep buying from them and shareholders keep supporting them, I don't really know what the answer is. How do you legally hold organisations to account when they just keep breaking the law, which is what's effectively happened? And I know that they they will say that they this was an error and nobody no i presumably they didn't want to do this deliberately. But they didn't look closely enough. And that was one of the things that came out of the report, wasn't it? That they just didn't look closely enough at what was going on in their supply chain. And this is something they've done again and again. I don't understand why they keep doing it.
0: The reason they keep doing it is, arguable at least, because they can. Because there's no real consequence to their actions. Because consumers don't care and they keep making huge stacks of cash and because at the end of the day businesses are run for the benefit of their shareholders
2: the way that the economy and the governance of businesses is structured is purely focused on so long as you keep your shareholders happy with pounds and pence in their pockets you're running your business well now there is something that's coming through right now with b corps have been a big part of called the better business act which is specifically looking at changing that articles of association to say for any limited company that that, that starts, should be run for the benefit of yes, it's shareholders, but also people and the planet. Now, until that change is made, all you're doing is supporting a system, all that is fundamentally geared towards measuring success purely off of one metric, how much cash can you earn? And what money are you putting into the pockets of um, your shareholders? So that has to, it's, it's a systemic thing that fundamentally has to change. Yes, we can all be sort of, you know, we can all point the finger at Boohoo, and I, and I take great pleasure in doing so as well. But, you know, what—they're all they're doing is operating in a structure or an environment that essentially says, as long as you're earning money, fuck everything else. It is an economic model that rewards ignorance. Don't worry about, you know, whether or not you're paying someone £2 an hour operating in the most appalling conditions, creating your product. Don't worry about it because the, invo- the economic model here is geared towards you. not. Just don't even look at it.
1: Ignorance is not an excuse anymore to say you didn't know that somebody was doing it. If you're paying 20p for a T-shirt to be made, you, you need to look at why that is and you need to make some assumptions. It can't be that difficult to... To look into supply chains, particularly when those supply chains are close to home. I can understand sometimes if they're geographically a long way away, you don't have the the, the systems or the structures or the oversight. You know, I, I can understand it can be more difficult when, when you're offshoring a lot of this stuff. It's not an excuse, by the way, but there really is no excuse when all you've got to do is go a few miles up the M1 and have a look at what's going on.
0: Podcast analysis has always been a major problem for marketers, with outreach efforts reliant on dubious download numbers and a lot of guesswork. Until now. Podchaser Pro is a new service that solves the problem for podcasters and marketers alike. I caught up with co-founder Cole Raven.
2: We've built this new product around audience sizes so that as like a PR agency or a marketing agency, you can use this tool to really understand how many listeners every podcast gets. And then we provide contact information on top of that. We understand how many people are listening to a podcast, in some cases, demographic data. You can't find that anywhere else.
0: Check it out at podchaserpro.com forward slash digital download. Last week, Boohoo announced that it may link executive bonuses with ethical considerations, including but not limited to workers' rights. This was another recommendation from the Environmental Audit Committee in order to demonstrate the company's commitment to environmental and social responsibility. But is it yet another example of saying the right thing? Is it just greenwashing?
2: Today, the world is going you know, there's chatting about the fact that their their directors or their board will be rewarded based on ESG principles, and they may be looking at that. So what? Like, (laughs) I'm sat there thinking, okay, well, you know, we might be looking at a whole heap of, I might be looking at releasing a don't cry wolf, uh, you know, electric vehicle. It doesn't mean that I'm going to do that.
1: They should have been doing this right from the beginning. If you don't have a sustainable supply chain, you don't have a business long term, so of course your shareholder, you know, your, your, sorry, your executive pay should be linked to those things. Of course it should. I mean, on, to play devil's advocate a bit, if that independent report had, had recommended that that was going to happen and they hadn't done it, how would you feel then? You know, they, they had a choice, either implement the recommendations or not. If they didn't implement them, you would just think that they were really taking the piss. So they had to implement them. But then, of course, we all think it's greenwashing because of how they've behaved in the past. We don't trust them. And that's what happens when your trust is damaged by a brand that has a history of habitually doing the wrong thing. You don't then trust them when they do the right thing. Whereas if this was a brand who you trusted, I don't know, a Ben and Jerry's or an innocent or one of the, you know, one of the brands that in, we all kind of instinctively trust. And they had had this kind of issue and then gone, this is horrific. We're going to put it right. And this is how we're going to do it. You go good on them. And that is where your reputation really matters, isn't it, is is in people's trust. But as we've said, that trust doesn't seem to be translating into sales. You know, they don't seem to be having a damage to their sales.
0: So does trust have any currency whatsoever in today's economy? Or do we as a society not really care if we don't trust organisations, if we can get what we want and it's cheap or convenient?
1: I mean, look at Amazon. Who trusts Amazon? Nobody, really. I say that, I've got no data to base that on, but my, my, my feeling is that we don't trust Amazon particularly. We don't trust Facebook particularly. We don't trust Uber, but we all use it and the, it doesn't seem to make any difference to the revenue. But I think what's interesting about Boohoo, one of the things that we know that negatively impacts organisations is when they go against their own ethics. And I've always said, one of the reasons I don't think Amazon really ever suffers from all these scandals about how it treats workers, for example, is because it never holds itself up as being the most ethical company. But we value convenience over ethics. I say we, you know, shoppers generally, and they're not doing anything that goes against their own ethics. Boohoo is a bit more interesting because the PESA thing is they held themselves up to a really high level of accountability on animal rights and then they failed on it. So I think what will be interesting now is what happens next If they are now going to link pay to sustainability, for example, and they're going to implement the recommendations made in this report, and they are genuinely going to try and meet some of their own targets, although I have to say those targets are pretty woolly if you look at their website, if they then miss them consistently, then what will happen? Because now they're holding themselves up to accountability. And that's the point at which I think people will start judging them.
0: Being accountable is one thing. But if that accountability is for ethical considerations, whereas good business is measured by profit, will it really make a difference? The good news is that there is a general movement towards the way we, as society, measure success. This movement considers how sustainable an economy is, and it's just now starting to gain some traction, providing a path for how environmental and societal progress can be balanced with economic success.
2: For the first time... In quite some while, we have a blueprint that suggests that if you pursue this sort of this Green New Deal approach, this sustainable economy approach, you're going to be able to transfer jobs towards a greener economy that that pays well. You're going to be able to get better quality goods and you're going to be able to localize uh, the economy in a way that reduces some of the cost on the environment and on people. And so there's a sort of vision of change that can now be sort of, that can now feel a little bit more tangible, a little bit more sort of materialized.
0: It is perhaps by being aware of and interested in this approach that we as consumers can make a difference and take some responsibility for the likes of Boohoo that goes above and beyond simply not buying their products. Although, let's face it, that'd be a start. And if our spending does continue to go primarily to the likes of Boohoo and Amazon, is there any way back
2: there were some absolute positives over the last year in terms of how the public came together to support one another, especially in hyper-local communities. But equally, when you looked at the pounds and pence and where they were being spent, organisations such as Boohoo were taking a lion's share of, uh, uh, of that spending. You know, even you could you could argue that the way people just flocked to Amazon just to spend, just to buy, just to consume kind of was sort of showcase the fact that, well, yes, we've sort of, you know, we, we, we've, we've sort of maybe made a little bit of progress around the local community. Fundamentally, the thing that's got to change is what are we prepared to give up? What are we prepared to sacrifice? And just look at the uproar that, you know, we have had around, you know, well, you, you might not be able to travel abroad this summer. Now, we've just come off of, a huge kind of report that outlined the fact that we're so far away from meeting any form of our sustainability targets or getting below that target of let's say 1.5 degrees of warming none of that matters anymore because we want to go to Ibiza do you, do you know what I mean and supporting pubs and all, none of that shit matters so long as Weatherspoons is open and, and I think this is where we've got to really have an honest conversation with ourselves, which is what are we actually projecting onto the world through social media and you know, what are we what are we kind of virtue signalling versus what are we genuinely prepared to give up for a better future?
0: Throughout this show, we've talked about Boohoo's 41% rise in revenue. We've talked about its rebounding share price, and we've talked about our insatiable appetite for a fast-fashion bargain. In the face of all of the uproar and negative press and accusations, Boohoo seems to be doing the right thing. But whether it actually follows through or whether this is just lip service remains to be seen. Can a leopard change its spots? And does it want to?
1: They've produced this Agenda for Change programme, which is, you know, admirable and, and so they should, very good. But when you look into the details of it, they've got targets like all the materials will be used will be, will be more sustainable. What does that mean? What does it actually mean? And I think this is something that organisations very often do in crisis is they do paper over the cracks with slightly woolly communications because they don't want to commit to anything. They don't want to be held to account when it doesn't work rather than looking at what action they need to take in order to change, properly change, and then communicate that change, which is what they should do.
2: I'm always trying to remain slightly positive about this sort of stuff and the fact that they've been spotlighted and, you know, hopefully making... Some changes to this. I'm trying to keep kind of a touch positive about. But then a part of me is like, do you know what? They're not going to do anything to jeopardize their 50 million quid windfall. Because they've operated in a way that suggests that so long as they are meeting that one criteria for a business, which is, is it making money? Everything else can go to hell. They, if they wanted to, they could have really looked at the quality of their garments. If they wanted to, they could, and, and they had a genuine interest they would have had a look at their supply chain and what worked out why why is it why is it that no other organisation has been able to offer a product a dress or a jacket or a pair of trousers at this price point and we are you know why haven't you asked that question you know you're getting it a bit right when you're having to make a sacrifice so you're having to sacrifice something on the balance sheet to intrinsically improve the way the business operates. And I just don't see them ever doing that.
0: Taking a helicopter view of Boohoo as a case study, what are the implications for us as consumers and society as a whole? How long can we go on as we are? And is there much hope that things will change? Or are we now on a long and slippery consumerist slope?
1: I do think that we are going to start waking up to this and start to realize that we cannot give organisations our money who are going to continually break the law behave unethically treat people badly and i really hope that if this last year has taught us anything it's that we have to look at how people are treated we have to come together as communities and and support you know everybody in a, in a in a global sense you know we we're in a situation now where none of us are free unless the whole world is vaccinated effectively. So so we've got to start thinking about our own position, not just in, oh, it doesn't really matter because it's happening over there and I want this cheap piece of T-shirt, that we start to think about the impact of our actions on the rest of the world. And I really hope that's something we're going to learn from this COVID experience.
2: I am very cautiously optimistic, but I'm going to add that if something significant doesn't happen this year which is the year of COP which is the year following you know some pretty important movements in in the sort of social justice arena if if we don't come out of this year with some significant change as a society or as public institutions or as a global economy then I am going to be far less optimistic and A little bit nervous and actually I think we could really fuck ourselves up if we don't use this as the year that we're gonna change we've got I mean we have got really a decade right to get to get this right and that's not a lot of time to do what we're supposed to really be doing which is exploring is there a different way of looking at how the global economy operates so that we're not either killing each other or, or, or killing the planet and really, that decade has sort of started, you know, six months ago. And I'm nervous that we're going to let this year pass and go, do you know what? We've got vaccines out. We're, 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 we're fine. Let's, let's, let's forget about everything else. Again, going all the way back to the boohoo side of things, is someone being paid £2 an hour so that they can't support their family in conditions that we wouldn't wish on an enemy? Yes, they are. But have I got a floral jumper under a fiver? Yes, I have. So I'm all right, mate. I'm okay. And that—that that for me is—is—is is, is a big question that we have got to really fucking ask ourselves. If we're—if we're all right with this, then do you know what? Take, spend the next ten years getting coked up and spending all of your money on boohoo, and and, and and don't worry about it. Like you know, fuck it. Like we we have already accepted our fate, right? But if you think that, that is, there is something a bit better that we could sort of not just improve the length of our our existence, but improve the quality for everyone and lift that benchmark up a touch, then we've got to really sort of start asking ourselves, you know, is, is this okay? Is this acceptable?
0: Massive thanks to John and Kate for their candid input to this episode. Look them both up on Twitter. You can subscribe to Digital Download on iTunes, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like the show, please do leave a review as this helps others discover the podcast. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next
2: time. Do you mind if I get onto a political rant?
0: No, no, go go ahead.
2: Hartlepool is going to be an absolute clear example of this, right? So there's a by-election that we that is obviously a critical by-election that's happening over the next couple of days, and this is our litmus test for the certainly for the, I think for, for how the British public's going to respond, which is are do we care more about the fact that as an individual I've got vaccinated versus having a government and a leader in power that it, that absolutely is comfortable with lying to the public, bareface lying to the public, mm-hmm. and Hartlepool will be a clear marker in the sand for this, which is uh, a community that says, do you know what? You gave me a vaccine. You kind of gave me Brexit, although we'll debate whether or not that was the Brexit which I had in mind, but it's kind of there anyways. You gave me a vaccine. I'm all right, Gov. So you crack on, mate. (laughs) And if the Tories take over in this government environment, if the Tories take over a seat that has been Labour, since its inception then I'm probably going to be even more worried than what I was at the start of this podcast hmm. because that is that's what I mean about the selfish element of society which is yeah we might talk about you know lies and misleading and fraud and corruption etc cetera, etc cetera, but did i just get a vaccine stuck in my ass i did that's all right i'm done i'm i'm all right i'm good with it